Welcome to the Lulu Logic Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Lewis. Another great episode today. I don't know where I keep finding these great individuals to come on the podcast. I'm blessed. I'm blessed to hear the stories firsthand and just to be able to experience this. And I'm glad I get the opportunity to share it with you. But I want to ask you a question. When was the last time you really thought about your words? Most of the times we think about words, we think about them in a negative sense where people tell us something negatively or we think negatively. But when were the last times that you really believed that your words could create your present and your future and the ability to overcome everything in your way and all the obstacles? Well, this guest today is going to show you how powerful your words can be and how great you can be. There's so many things in this that I cannot wait for you to hear. So let me shut up and get out of the way. And without further ado, this is the Lulu Logic Podcast. Today's guest is from Texarkana, Texas, and went to the University of Texas in Arlington as a receiver. Then he was drafted by the Green Bay Packers in the 10th round of the 1983 draft, played 12 years in the NFL, CFL, and World League with 8,560 yards and 30 touchdowns as a receiver. He was a burner at 42340 uh, 4, and a 10-1-300-yard dash, also bench 360 pounds. Now he's got his wife, his kids, his grandkids. He's a part of the NFL Alumni Association. He's worked on the alumni, uh, not alumni, but the NFL PA board, executive board. Welcome to the show, Byron B.K. Williams. Welcome, brother. Thank you, Nick. How you doing? It's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you, man. Like, you know, one of the fascinating things for me is, like, I was just talking to you, is learning how fast you were. Like, that's yeah. interesting to me because you know people – and I always say, like, like there's guys now that play that probably don't know who I am, right? You played before me, and I, I mentioned your name around Sass a couple times. People are like, oh, I know him, right? Yeah. So it's it's always cool to actually look and see who these people are. And, I mean, I know who you are as a person and as a man, but as an athlete, I've never seen you play. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, it was fun. In fact, uh, coming out of UTA, I only caught twenty six passes, so I was mostly recruited. Um, my speed kind of highlighted me in my path, you know, to the NFL, CFL, and, and the World League. So um, that speed carried me into a whole different arena for us, getting me noticed and the ability to play on the next level. So yeah, the speed was something that was a gift, and I was able to utilize that and. It, it worked out pretty well for me. I'm only I'm only considered a speed demon to a turtle and a sloth, right? <laughs> <laughs> so other than that, I don't have none of that. So that's as this is gonna be it's gonna be a great one. I'm about to have fun with this one because one, I just enjoy what you do, right? After you finish playing, you sold tracks and football fields, turf fields. You've been a part of the PA, the NFL PA. You've been a part of the Alumni Association. Where did you find the fascination in just being a part of everything after? 
Well, I, I think I just want to be part of something that people love, people enjoy, and people love football. They they love competition. And I love doing football camps and and um, and, and pouring into young kids and letting them know that dreams do come true, regardless of where you come from, regardless of the circumstances. You know, you always live for tomorrow. And I think I always wanted to be a part of that. I, that's why I like going to the schools and talking in the assemblies, career days, and things like that. Because if you can help, you know, your next person, you know, fulfill their dreams and everybody do dreams. So, you know, you want the best for, for our society and our kids. And that's why we, we do what we do. We, you know, former athletes is, is a big part of giving back. And, and, I, and I'm, I'm so glad that I'm in that, in that part of life to where I give back and share my life stories as well as, you know, my experiences. And then I get other players to come in because all of us have a unique story to tell. Yes. And uh, growing up in Texas is, is unique, you know, as it's, it's football and sports oriented type situation. But, you know, I think we got so much to share and so much, to, so much hope for the kids. 30 years, kids camps. When did it start? And how was the first one? It started in uh, 1995. Uh, the first one was in my hometown. Every year I decided to go back to my hometown the week after Father's Day. And uh, the first camp I had 78 kids. i never wow. forget it. And I had one of my coaches did all my T-shirts. And every 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 time I, I do the T-shirts, I always put the colors of whoever won the Super Bowl. So Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl. It'll be a blue and orange shirt. That's awesome. You know, if Green Bay wanted it to be a green shirt. And that that kind of relates to the years that I would do my football camps. And just been going back, but this year was the 26th consecutive year for me to go back. Mm. And we weren't able to do a football camp, so we did a, a Zoom social distancing. And we had a, we had about 80 kids on that. Uh, so we was able to go back and continue to do something 26 consecutive years in Texarkana. Um and it means so much. And then um, one year we started with the, we added the girls to come in and do cheer camp. So here lately, the last, I guess the last 15 years, we do, we do a football camp and it's cheer camp for the girls. And um, so we kind of included, you know, as many kids as possible uh, between the ages of seven to 17. Any kids that you know about that's gone on to college and, and done well, or even in the pros? Oh, yeah, it's, it's been tons of kids. Uh, LaMichael James uh, went to my high school. He he was at the camps. He went to Oregon. Yeah. Got a kid named Trey Carson. Went to AM. Went to Oregon first. Went to AM. He played for Detroit here. Uh, they were running backs. Um, we got um, Brandon Jones, went to Oklahoma from my high school. I think we've been about, I think, 12 to 14 kids from my high school to go to the NFL and, and go to the, you know, go to college that been a part of my camps. And then uh, 2011, me and this guy named Willie Till that went to LSU, we were the first two athletes in my high school that they started the Hall of Fame. So we, we actually started the Hall of Fame. We were the first to do it. And uh, every year we go back and continue to just pour into the, our high school in Texarkana. Um, so we got about 15 guys. We got a kid named Will Millerbrooks that played in Major League Baseball. Now, uh, he was a quarterback in high school, but, he, you know, he went to the Major Leagues. So his pitches on there, we, we got some 
we got a kid that went to Pittsburgh uh, named Michael Finn. But, uh, you know, just going back to my high school. And then I just, we, we just hired a new black coach at my high school. And he, he wanted me to come in. I go down there every year and donate shoes and things to them as, as well as um, go and talk and keep them motivated and, um, and do a little pep talk every now and then. Every year they ask me to come back and do something at the high school. Is that Texarkana High? No, it's, it's Liberty Allo. It's Liberty, Liberty Allo. Allo. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know Liberty Allo. Yeah. We, we are known for, we are known for speed and, and some great athletes. So I was, I was one of the first pioneers to come from that area. Is it, is Liberty Allo is like right outside of Texarkana, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, it's 10 miles from downtown Texarkana, but it's in, uh, it's kind of in the Southeast corner, uh, like going, going down to like Atlanta and, and, yep. and, uh, uh, Jefferson and Highway 59, which goes straight down to Houston. You know, um, I would I used to go right through Texarkana so many times in my life. Um, you know, going to Southern Arkansas and Magnolia, going through Texarkana, then up Highway 82. It's only 45 yeah. minutes from Texarkana. Right. I, I hated that you drive 70 to 75 the whole way from Dallas, and then you get to Highway 82 and it's 55 speed limit. It's like what it's is this? And it's two lanes. It's two lanes. <laughs> two lanes, fifty-five speed limit. And, it, and and Nick, in the last five years, they have put in Interstate forty-nine from Texas County to Sweetport. So it only takes forty-five minutes to get to Sweetport now from Texas County. Really? It used to take us. Yeah, it used to take us an hour, hour and a half. But the the speed of the speed limit is so much faster now. In fact, uh, I went and did a. Um, uh, a fundraiser last year to Magnolia, uh, Highway 82. When you said that, I got stopped by the police. <laughs> and uh, so on the way back, he said, Mr. Williams, why are you going so fast? I said, sir, I, I had a fundraiser down there and and uh, I'm going to a funeral in Texas County, which I was. And he says, yes, slow it down, sir. Look. So so it, it's still some good, good cough down there. So they stopped me, just tell them what's going on and they, they let me go. But you know, you you said something about Highway 82. Highway 82 uh, is a highway that I that I always go down to Magnolia and in that area to do some things for. Um, so yeah, it brought back memory when you said that. <laughs> you know, that's one of the reasons why I wore 82. Is um, you know, John Taylor. My favorite receiver was Mike Worvin. My second favorite was Chris Carter, and my third okay. was John Taylor. Right. Right. Um, and people are like, why John Taylor? Like he was on the same team as Jerry Rice. Like, why not Jerry Rice? And right. I just loved the way he worked. And I, I thought all three of them always worked the same. They were very similar. There was their hands. Right. Don Taylor was the faster of the three. Right. But the other two, it was hands and making plays. Who did you look up to when you were when you were coming up and, and you wanted to be a receiver? Who was the guys that it was like, that's what I want to be like? Actually, I, I want to be like Drew Pearson and Lynn Swan um, yeah, because of the, the two number 88s. And um, and what's so bad about it, I got both of their numbers in my phone. I talk to Lynn Swan every year when I go to the Super Bowl to Franco Harris event. I met so many Steelers, and I know all the Cowboys. So it's it just amazing how, you know, those guys, you would go out there after you watch the game on Sunday, you go out there, you run routes and emulate them, imitate them or do what they were doing. And, um, and you know, and, and that's, and that's what it's all about. That's why I try to tell young people, you know, get somebody that you can, you know, 
that you can uh, model your model of what you want to become, and um, and that's who I did. I uh, Drew Pearson. In fact, Drew Pearson and I we talked two or three times a year. We we awesome. were together last year in Odessa, and Drew was you know just a great guy. And I know I know those players that you just mentioned, John Taylor. They, John Taylor played the same time I played when the Giants and the 49ers went to the playoffs back in the, when they was winning the Super Bowl. So, yeah, those great, great athletes. Yeah. It's it's always it's so humbling, isn't it, to just be around others. And you understand the impact that people made in your life that you didn't even, you didn't even know, right? You didn't have no personal connection, but just the impact that others have the ability to make in your lives is, is such a powerful thing. And you know, you do that now through your camps. Can you talk to people about what you're doing right now, like delivering the, the presents and things to kids? Absolutely. Um, I started, uh, I, I own football mini camp through our BW Sports. And now, now I got the Best Wishes uh, Foundation that I do for a lot of homeless kids. So when I was selling 400 meter tracks in turf field, I talked to a lot of athletic directors and football coaches. And they would say, Byron, you know, we, we have a space now that we didn't even have 20 years ago. And I said, what's that, what's that, Coach? He said, we got a lot of homeless kids and kids that don't have, you know, have a lot of lack. And so I wanted to kind of fill some of those gaps. And so I started uh, uh, going back to the schools, dropping off stuff, shoes, helping them pay for uniforms and things like that. Because... Um, you know, we just had a, a lack in, in, in some of the family situation. It's not uh, any fault of the kids. So we have to come in and do something. So I, I'm real passionate about trying to, you know, making sure a kid uh, don't go hungry, uh, make sure they have their shoes and make sure that they, you know, have, have things that they, that, uh, they need to, uh, to fulfill their dreams. So, yeah. you know, that's what the best wishes is all about. We go in. This week, I did today. I could, I, I uh, took a ton of, of toys to a couple of schools that I adopted here in Arlington, and um, and then we took a lot of clothes. I got a call out the blue yesterday, and I had a truckload of to uh, clothes, and I've been taking them to schools all day today. That's what I did the first part of my day today, and I got some more to, to deliver before the weeks is out. But that's that's kind of what I what I want to do and kind of what I need to do is so I'm able to do that, do those things. Do you have a place where people can donate like either toys or money? Yeah, we, we, well, I got to get my PayPal set up on bestwishesfoundation.com. Um, we, we, we can ready to do, um, some, some, um, my PayPal and all that. I'm in the middle of revamping some things. I, my guy who runs my football mini camps, um, said that uh, something is wrong with the back end of my my website, so I'm in the process of getting those websites uh, taken care of. But bestwishesfoundation.com is available. I don't, I don't have no donation button on that yet, but but we're eventually gonna gonna get something going. I do have a podcast that I do every Friday. They're getting ready to help raise some money up in New York. I'm, I'm on every Friday. I talk about the Giants and the Eagles. Um, and the and the Bills and the Patriots and as as well as the Jets, those five teams I'll be talking about. So we get ready to restructure some of those things to, that that I have it to where we can get donations. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna hook you up with uh, Gerald Smiley, um, who was drafted by the Rangers. One of my good friends. He just started chip in, and uh, okay. I'm gonna get you connected with that because it's a great new platform, chipin.co. It's a it's a great new way to to give, and it incentivizes people to give uh, through sponsorships and things like that. So we'll talk about that, and that's just I just think it's such an amazing thing that you do because, you know. For, for the longest time, athletes are considered a certain way, right? But then I've been fortunate because I don't meet a lot of those athletes that people are like, oh, this athlete does this or he does that or thinks he's this, thinks he's that. Like to, to be in a situation to really dedicate your life to help others, right? From the, you, have, you have your kids, you got your grandkids, but to really just say, you know what, I want to help support others. And I want to, and the world is in a bad place with COVID right now, uh, with schools getting canceled, with, you know, like you said, the homelessness now with kids and, and not having, and to, to give them those basic fundamental needs, right? When I always thought growing up and looking back, a lot of professional athletes that were around come from, places that are not great and they just get used to overcoming and it just becomes right. the next hurdle. So they're always looking for the next hurdle to overcome. So becoming right. a professional athlete is no different, right? Right. They see right. The, the challenge as, okay, I can meet that challenge. I can meet that challenge. And it's something they build on. Is there been anybody that stood out to you through the course of your life or career that has really overcame a lot that just kept going, kept going, kept going. And you just like, that really just amazed you on a personal level. Yeah. And I think a lot of athletes that I encounter, you know, I talked to, I just talked to two dog Jones, uh, priest Holmes, um, a lot of guys that, that who, who played on a professional level, um, they're very private about some of the things that they do and don't want no credit for it, but, that's why I like a lot of the pro football players, some of the NBA players, as well as some track stars, you know, um, Michael Johnson, you know, I, um, I, I got a chance to meet a lot of guys and a lot of guys don't go around talking about what they're doing. But what I have learned is God always have placed me in front of people um, that I can hear their stories and then I can go and share it with somebody else. And what that does, that just give us a little bit more momentum and, and confirmation of what we need to do on our assignment. So I, I just, you know, I'm real thankful for that. You know, I got a team of guys I can call up and there will be right. If I say, I need you at this school, like uh, Elvison Walls last year. And, um, you That's know, great. those guys like that, I, I can call and I can get them at some schools and they share their stories. And Elvison Walls grew up here in Dallas and then signed a free, went to Grambling, signed a free agent contract with uh, Dallas Cowboys and his, his career started from there and so when when those kids hear that story they can relate to Elson Walls because Elson Walls grew right here in these communities what they know about yeah. and that's what I know, love about the platform here I have in Arlington you know I'm a part of a church in South Arlington I went to UTA went to college here and then the black church the other church uh, right here named Mount, Mount Olive Baptist Church and when I was in college I went over to that church and I was reminded of some of the things that I need to do in order to fulfill my dreams. And so it all seemed like there's a, a whole package of information that, that you can always tap into 
to alert you that, hey, you got to stay on this path. You got to stay, you got to do this, you got to study, blah, 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 in order to, you know, to order to be, to, to be qualified. And I, saw, and I share those stories with kids to let them know that sometimes people can't go keep giving you stuff. You yep. got to continue to work on it and build your life around that. And if you set goals and, and you have uh, uh, things that you want to try to accomplish in life, then, you know, they, they are accountable. You know, they have something that you can achieve. And so yep. achievement is one of the things that we talk about. Believing is one of the things you, uh, we talk about. And the C is commitment is one of the things you talk about. So for every letter in the alphabet, I have a, a word that defines awesome. that letter. Like the P is for purpose, the O is for opportunity, the M is for motivation, you know? So those things is, uh, is something that, that I try to tell kids to continue to build on those good things. And then one of the other things too, Nick, that I always try to tell these young people, Stay away from negative negativity. Stay away from 100%. people that yeah. If you stay away from that negativity, you it will. But negativity, if you just keep hearing that, hearing that, it will eat you up. I have two grandsons, uh, seven, uh, one can be seven, the other is five. And I told my daughter, do not talk, say the word no to them, no, because uh, they said that most young kids, my fell. Most young kids. <laughs> Yeah, my, my most young kids hear the word no three times more than hear yes. So if you say no, don't do that, no, you do that, and these kids hear that in the first eight years of their life, guess what? They have so much doubt. Yeah. So you 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 say yeah, you you don't you don't have to say no to them, but you put it in a way to say, hey, this is what we need to work on. Uh, this is how we're gonna improve on this 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 letter or this course. So the word no is something that these our kids hear so much and by the time they get 10 to 12 years old they thinking that they have a lot of doubt in their life and, and they don't accomplish or achieve the things that they can accomplish that makes me think I, first i'll say this i tell people all the time especially when i talk to younger people the only thing you in life you should ever ask for is an opportunity you should prepare for that opportunity at all times but the only thing you should ever ask for is an opportunity right, right. and right. and two now that you say that about saying no, and I look at like my parents and some of the things they used to tell me, right? It was always, if it's too good to be true, it's not true. That's a lie. Because right. I look back at my life and achieving what I've achieved 20 years ago, that was way too good to ever think that that was even possible. Right. Right. Like you, that's not true. You can't do this. And now I still feel that, like I have to overcome that almost on a daily basis of the doubts of myself. Like even going into games sometimes, I used to doubt myself, like I need to go out here and play better. And for me to talk and to, and to get into a vibe and a mode <clears throat> was almost like my cure for my doubts. Right. Right, because if right. I was talking, I wasn't thinking. Right. Right, so it was kind of like they had to play, I had to play into that. And that, that's what I call small wins. Small wins is constantly, <clears throat> is constantly catching five balls this game, then eight, eight balls in this game, and having 100 yards. You know, you, you haven't had your best game, 200, 300 yards. You know, it, it, it just keeps coming. Those are small <laughs> wins. And that's thing you know, you're one of the elite, you, yeah. you, which you are, Nick. And, and the things that you have accomplished just growing up here in Jasper, Texas, and 
you know, just knowing that, you know, these are the things that you had to overcome. And now that you're in this position, you come back and share, you just remember, just, just think in mind that all the stories that you have, all yeah. the testaments and the thing and the accomplishments that you have, those are the things that, you know, people love about you and, 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 and you know, want to hear about because they want, they want to say, how are you thinking at this day when you caught those 10, 10 passes, blah, blah, blah. And those are the things that really set true people apart. But deep down inside of us, we all have some of that, yeah. you know, and that's what, that's the good thing. And that's why you want to surround yourself with greatness and great people and people who have accomplished things like what you have done. And that, that's why I try to tell our kids, I say, you, you have to separate. Everybody don't need to be telling you uh, what you want to try to accomplish because everybody can't and don't have the same hungry and tenacity and dreams and goals and things like that. And, and, and the one thing about writing a pen, picking up a pen and writing your story, it's unique when you write it. Yes. It's not, it, it's different when you write it versus when somebody else write it. 100%. So continue to write your stories and continue to go after your dreams. And, and I was just going to ask you, because if we look at, we're not too far removed from slavery, but if you look at just through the evolution of, of Blacks and history and the what's being accomplished now, it's almost like it's a protection. You know, saying things don't set yourself up for failure. Right. If it's too good to be true, then it's it's too good. Like, you know what I'm saying? Don't set yourself. But I see where it comes from. Right. Did you have any of those? Or are there any hurdles that you had to deal with from the perception and just, just looking at the course of history to where we are today and how we move forward? Like you're saying, by just stop saying no. Anything is achievable now. Right. And, and back when... Back in my day, I, to the day, I still feel some prejudice around me. I still feel some people are, are, are not in, my, in favor for supporting what I, who I am just because they don't judge me by the outside of where I look and my skin color. And one of the things that I, I try to be in, in tune with is my sense of Holy, the Holy Spirit of just, just the things that I know. For example, when I drove from Dallas to New York one year and I went through the state of Tennessee and some were telling me, never let your car get on empty, okay? I got out, I forgot what town it was in Tennessee. I got out to fill my, to put some more gas in my car. I never let my car get on empty. But these guys said, the end word to me said, if you want to live, then you better get back in that car. And I didn't, you know, I was, I'm wanting to challenge people but yeah. some told me get in the car and go to the go somewhere to get you some gas. So sometimes you got to have instincts or insights um, to 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 order to live for the next day. Yeah. And so what I try to share with young people that you know people are gonna be judging. Everybody ain't gonna be uh, on patting you on the back. Everybody, but you got to you got to sometimes get to to a point in your life to where you know who you are. You know that you got to survive. You know, you got to live for the next day and the next month, the next year. So those are some insights. Those are things that I think you have to learn along the way. And those things are not in the book. You know, yeah. you know, there's so much you can learn in the book and so much you can learn in real life. And so when you put that together to become whole, 
that's what you try to always focus on. You know, what you want to do and what you want to accomplish. That's that privilege, right? That's, and you know, like I talk about white privilege sometimes and, and people say, well, I had to work hard. I had to do this, but you don't have to think about those situations. You don't think about getting gas at certain gas stations. Like right. I'm driving through Nebraska and it's pouring down rain. I'm like, if anything happens to my car right now, I can't go knock on somebody's door in the middle. You're like, it's, it's dark outside. It's pouring down raining. Right. I can't just go knock on somebody's door and do those things. Right. Those are different things. But then let's let's convert this to sports. Being a white guy in sports, like a Christian McCaffrey. Right. Right. Is there a difference? I, I think I think if you if you know his story, you know that he grew up and his dad, yeah, uh his dad always took him and he was always around sports. And I think he was equipped to become who he is, you know. And I, I think we had that same opportunity with some of our kids and some of the things they know. If you put your kids in sports camp, if you do some of the little things, I tell kids all the time, if you run a four eight and I can work with you in three weeks, I can have you run a four, four six. Just because of the things that you have to do, the fast muscle twit, um, the thinking. You know, sometimes when I was in the the night before I had to perform, I would lay in the bed and close my eyes and see myself running to get the visual and the mental capacity down. And I always stop that clock, stop watching around four, four point three, four three five, four two five in that area. And that, and, and not only that, then the next day I go out there and perform that. Yeah, you believe. So, so I think you have to equip your kids and your students to 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 perform. That there are certain things that you have to prepare for. And and I think you know um, that's what he did. That's what his dad had prepared him. Uh, for a time, the way he can go out and compete on a high level, and I think you have to be around that type of, uh, you know, situation where you can go out and, and and compete because, you know, some people are limited on their skill level, but it's something it's something else where you can improve it on a level that you can become great as. Yeah, it goes back to what you were saying earlier. You got to find those people. Like we had a D tackle last year that was watching film on Aaron Donald, and I was yeah. just thinking like that's not your skill set. Yeah. You're wasting time. Like, yeah, yeah, you you would like to be able to do that. Right. But that's not your skill set. That'd be like me watching your film and be like, I need to go do that. You know, Kenyon can go do it, but I can't do it. Yeah. Right. So I have to, I, I understood my skill set. Michael Irvin, Chris Carter, Heinz Ward, right? right. Those guys right. were in my skill set of what I did. So I had to look at their game and say, you know what? This is who I play like. Or and, to be the best I can be, I need to play like them. You, 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 you have the same body type of the guys that you talked talking about. Yeah, yeah. They were just a little taller. Yeah. Right. And that's but that's where kids have to understand. It can't just you can't just have a favorite player and say I want to be like this guy. If that right. doesn't fit your skill set, right? right? Everybody's got a box, and if you got to maximize your box to be the best you can be. Right. And if you're doing things outside of your skill set, then you're doing a disservice to yourself. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Man, this is awesome. Let's talk yeah, about that. And, 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 and I think I think I think a lot of kids uh are not quite in their skill set. They they try, they sometimes they elevate themselves too quickly. And a level of maturity is is part of it too. You you have to have that mental part. It's, it's two parts to it. It's a mental part and a physical part. And in between that, 
that learning curve, um, you know, you have to put that time in. Like this, this lady asked me today, she said, how, how many hours did you put in when you used to, when you used to work out? I said, I work out in the morning, noon at day, and then any time. And then sometime at night, I go and do some other things. So it was, it was, it was something that I committed myself throughout the week, five to 10 times, you know, a lot for us. The number of times I get my reps in, you know, catching balls, catching low. If you catch two or three hundred low balls, you know, you catch those balls, you know, awkward balls, one hand balls. I mean, you you know, you tie your hand behind the back. I'm done, you know, I've done all kind of things to equip myself to become great. You know, so th those are the things that people don't see. Yeah. You know, they just thinking that you just can go out there and naturally do those things. But no, those things got to be practiced. And it's um. Football is a very reactionary sport. You don't think. It's not, it's not like, I think I'm going to do this. It's like right. you have to, and I tell people all the time, you got to prepare your body. Right. You prepare your body to do everything it needs to do to be successful. And then when it's in the field of play, it performs. Like, Absolutely. I don't think about making a one-handed catch. So that's why I always tell people one-handed catches have seen sometimes, I think a one-handed catch is easier than a deep ball catch. Because right. deep ball catches, you're thinking about it. Okay, I got to catch it. I got to catch it. I got to catch it. One-handed catch is reaction. Right. And it's Absolutely. just a natural reaction will happen, and you're going to catch your fair share. And, you know, so the skill part of it is it doesn't take a lot of skill, but you can improve it, the probability of it, by practicing it. Absolutely. Yep. Right. Yep. I never I thought I wanted to go jump this guy, but, you know, I prepared my body for it. And when it happened, it's just like commit. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. What well, the definition of commitment is no other options, right? So as long as you commit yourself to um, perfecting your box and, and, and being the best you can be, you just prepare yourself for it, right? Because Absolutely. you can't think about it. If, I, if Quarterbacks can't think I need to go here, I need to go here, because then they're late. You think you're late. Yeah. I, and I had another person ask me, what if uh, you got a left-handed quarterback versus a right-handed quarterback? I said, at That's the end different. of the day, at the end of the day, you look. I'm looking at the point of that ball, I'm, you know. <laughs> and all my football was named Brandy. That was my oldest daughter, you know. So if I drop Brandy, then I ain't gonna eat. So it's just, you know, was a left-handed quarterback and throw the ball, or right-handed quarterback. See, sometimes you have to put it in your term of what it means to most of you. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's how I did it. And you, you know, you probably did it another way, but I'm just saying it's unique that uh, we have our own little storyline. But that that the, the the test that we did for is, you know, I call Brandy. You know, I had football day with Brandy. So yeah, you know, you had to, you, you know, I didn't Name want to drop it. my baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Everybody got it. Hey, everybody got it. My cousin used to tape uh, these fingers like around here and here, and he would line the ball up with the white stripe. Yeah, that's the way he caught the ball. You know, right. there's people that do it differently. Uh, I never looked at. I don't really look at passes above my head or below my waist. It's uh -huh. a feel thing, right? Right. So everything's a feeling to me, and it's not really like visual. I don't have to really see it to do it. Right. But that was a skill that I perfected, and I don't. I wouldn't teach that because it's bad habits. Like Brett Favre. Brett Favre right. can't teach quarterbacks how to play quarterback because. He did a lot of things that were bad habits to a lot of people, but he was able right. to get away with it because of a skill. Absolutely. Develop, yeah. Right. Yeah. So developing yes. these skills, 
let's go back to when you first started playing and when you growing up in Texarkana, like growing up there, when you first started playing, what was it like? I, I literally started first playing in fourth grade and we had these varsity football football players come down and coach us flag football. And, and actually my first team was the Packers and, uh, and I, I, all I, all they used to do is just run, run me on reverses, and uh, they'll pitch me the ball, and I just take off around the end, and nobody can catch me. But that was my first experience, and then got to junior high. You know, uh, I was always a little receiver, but I was skinny as skin and bones. And then, and when I got to the ninth grade, I went, I went from five seven to six one, wow. and that's when I just got a little bit of start, start smelling my own little. The the small little I guess got a little bit, bit of momentum behind me, but actually that's that was really the start of my football career. And then I got in high school. My coach, um, he would give me twenty dollars every six weeks. He said, "If you if you make the A B on the road, I'm gonna give you twenty dollars." So every six week I run into the gym. He gave me twenty dollars. I end up graduating with a three point eight because he oh. said, "Not only do you have." some athletic skills, but you're, you're a smart kid. Yes. And, and, and that was one of the things, you know, so when I graduated from high school, I was able to go to SMU, Rice, Tulane, all those schools recruited me, but they, they wanted me as a safety. I was a great defensive back, but I just, I wanted to play receiver. So UTA was the only school that offered me the scholarship that wanted me to play receiver. And that's how I ended up at UTA as a receiver. And then, when I got up here, they was in the wishbone. I didn't know. And uh, but after my sophomore year, they changed that offense and built that offense around me. And so I was really, you know, just really blessed to the timing of everything in my in my life for us, how, you know, how things went when I started playing football. I, you know, there's so many similarities between us. And this is why I love doing podcasts, is because to to learn this stuff. Right. I, I probably died five times at uh, UTA on that track out, okay. there in the, out there in the summer because of going into my senior season in college. I trained with this guy named Nick Scott at Pioneer Track coach over there. My dad's like, if you're serious about this, then you'll do this training. So I did it. It was like 12 or one o'clock through the summer, mm-hmm. uh, five days a week with with Nick Scott. And it was um you know, 100, 105 degrees out there with all that humidity. And we used to start with a quarter and finish with a quarter at the wow. end of the workout. And it was one of those things where I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm dying out here. Right. But it was so good for me because it was one of the first times I ever had to really just like push through something so hard. There was no other people around. I got used to training by myself. I didn't need a whole group of people to push me. I was able right. to start pushing myself through the training and things like that. So from the UTA, from Texarkana, from the wishbone offense, which we ran in Magnolia. There's uh-huh. so many similarities. Right. In our in our stories. Right. What do right. you think about the wishbone when you got there? Well, I, you know, I, I grew up watching Billy Sims in Oklahoma. So, yeah. you know, I, I thought it would be a good offense to be in, be a part of, but also throw the ball a little bit more, and which we tried to do, but we didn't have the quarterbacks and so forth. So the first thing I had to do was learn how to block. So to block and position myself with the DBs. So I became, that's why I became a good blocker as well, downfield blocker. So, you know, I, sometimes your worst case scenario would teach you some of the best skill sets to help you along your path. 
So the first thing I learned how to do, I was a good stock blocker. Back then they call it stock blocking. Yep. And I became a real good stock blocker. So it really helped me. So that's what we did the, my freshman year. I played in five varsity games as a true freshman um, uh, at UTA. And, and, and you know, uh, of course, the rest is history from there. But, you know, that's what I learned from wishbone because of, uh, of, of, you know, the options and the read options and things like that. And so every now and then they throw throw your pass off those options, but mainly it was a seventy percent run type offense versus you know getting the ball down the field. Yeah, and you're only going to see really cover three and cover one. Right, right. So that's what I got used to in college is you know cover three, so you can get that extra guy in the box and play zone behind it, and then a lot of cover one. But dude, you talk about blocking, man. That was you had to block. You had crack black, yeah. the crack backs yeah. and the and the stock blocking because you never know where the ball's gonna hit. You don't know if it's gonna hit at the middle, around the outside. Right. You have no clue. So it's uh, yeah, the only thing you had to do is re, re, uh, uh, rely on the defensive back and whichever way he moved, that's the way you're gonna have to carry and block him. So because of the different options that you have as an offensive style offense with the wishbones. What did you run in high school? What kind of offense was in high school? We we had a power power. Okay. Um, yep. So, but I averaged 15 tackles a game. I, uh, I I never did come off the football field in high school. I was the extra point holders on 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 the kicking team, and um, every now and then they'll give me a break on the punt return, till I got knocked out one game. My college roommate <laughs> from Danielville knocked me out, so I told him take me off the punt return. But other than that, you know, I was always constantly on that football field uh, in high school. How big was Liberty Island then? We was a three A school. Three A. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, because I was the same way. I only came off on kickoff team. Right. I yeah, held you, the extra you play points. a lot of football. Yeah. I played my senior year. I was the quarterback. I was the defensive end. Uh, I held extra points and field goals. Yeah. Um, we, I was on the kickoff return similar, team. We, <laughs> we definitely got some similar stories. Uh, my best high school game was against Upper Springs. Okay. I had two interceptions by the 150 yard catching. Um, and I, you know, I got that scholarship off of Suffer Springs. So when I drive through Suffer Springs going to Texas County, I always smile because that was <laughs> that was my highlight tape in high school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, I didn't want to play DB. I, oh, I want to play safety. I, they had me at corner. I was small, but they wanted me to play corner or corner. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to play corner. Yeah, yeah. Put me at safety. They were like, no, we'll put you a defensive end. And then, you know, I was two-year All-State defensive end, though. You you had a lot of sacks or what? Yeah, I was just, you know, being, what was I about? My junior year, I was 5'9", 170. My senior year was about 5'10", 170. So it was one of those, I was I was really good with my hands. Okay. I could get around the tackles really easily. So I'd get sacks, strip sacks, chase people down from behind. Uh, usually people would say, you know, he's smaller, let's run at him. But I was right. really good in space, being able to make a guy miss and still be able to dive and make the tackle. Right. So I, I think I had around 200 tackles in two years. But Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I, I was I was probably that – I'll never forget that. One day they had me – I think I had 28 tackles for my safety position. And um, – but, you know, I was – I was the captain on the secondary, but it, it, it really helped me. Um, but everybody wanted me as a safety. I, I was a good I was a good safety. I could read, I could read the coverage and stuff, but 
Yeah, it, it's really good to play as much as possible in high yeah. school because it really equipped you to get your confidence up and then it just gives you a lot of momentum going into college. Yeah, I got a lot of toughness out of playing defensive end and I got a lot of knowledge and understanding of the game playing quarterback. So yeah, exactly. everything that I needed to build who I was in the end of my playing career, it all came from all those little bitty times in between, right? Being right. on different special teams and playing these different positions really helped evolve into what I was doing and, and being free-flowing. One of the biggest things now is, you know, a lot of people talk about um, coaches. As a high school coach, their job is to win high school games and win state championships. It's not to get you to college, right? Do you ever have any conversations with kids that are in high school that are playing probably at a position in high school, but it's the better the high school team, and but they have to do what they have to do for themselves to get to college? Yeah, and, that, and that's what I, I try to tell young kids. Don't, I mean, I know you want to respect the coaches and everything, but you still have your life in your hands. And there are still things that you can do to, you know, to, to position yourself to, to go to the next level. So that's why, you know, I, I try to tell kids, if you can play another position, if you can do something on special team or anything, continue to, to continue to do as much as possible. And that way on your resume uh, and, and on your highlight tape, you know, you, it shows that you are, you know, you got these different types of uh, talents and skills level. And, and, and you never know because a lot of us start off playing out of positions, right? Yep. And then just see how you became a superstar wide receiver, Nick, and you played quarterback and defensive end in high school. So that's why I try to share with those kids. Just because you started off playing that position early doesn't mean that you need to continue to play in that position because there's a lot of fun position on the football team. And, and when you incorporate those skills levels, in it, and I call it tag. Okay. I, I, the T stands for talent. Each one of us have a special talent. A is ability. Each one of us have those special abilities. And the G, gifts. Those when you put those when you put that tag together, talent after the uh, the abilities and the gift, then you can continue to build your platform so and go to the next level. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good how you put that together like that. You know, is is putting those words together to understand what your gifts are. You know, prepare for that, right? If you're right. if you're a high school quarterback and you know you're not gonna play quarterback in college or you have no desire to do it, don't wait till you get to college to start learning how to catch or run routes. Go ahead and start Absolutely. preparing for that on your own time, right? Get that work right. in extra, right. right? You know where you're gonna play. Like I know if I'm an undersized defensive lineman in high school and I'm gonna play um, linebacker in college. I need to work on my drops. I need to work on my hips. I need to work on these things. Just because I'm playing it in high school doesn't mean that I'm going to play it in college, but I can still go ahead and work on my craft to be able to um, excel at that next level. Yeah. All right, here we go. So, so one of the things that young people need to know is that we are tagged. So the T stands for talent. The A stands for abilities and the G stands for gifts. And then when you put the S on it, that's how you build your tags, your, your talent, your ability, your gift out of your what? Strengths. So, so we all got some strengths. Mm. So you when you tags, that means you can go to the next level almost on anything. 
force your accomplishment to force your goals. So if you know what your tags are, my, I was tagged with speed. And that was one of the things that I was able to utilize almost everywhere I went as I grew and as I became a professional athlete. So you need to write a book. Just just write a book on words. Just the, new <laughs> dic- the sports dictionary. By you know BK. what? <laughs> you know what? I I I got a book, and it's a superhero book. Oh, that's awesome! It's called the Number Eighty Seven. But I do want to write a book, uh, talking about tags and talk about scripture and talk about some things that uh, that you can build your life on. Like like you know, when I first went to college, Proverbs three, five, or six talking about trusting your you know, trusting, trusting the Lord with all your heart and all your ways. Do not acknowledge, you know, acknowledge him. He would direct your path. Things like that. You know, I was the first one, the first uh, scripture that I built my life on. But yeah, I, I, I do want to write, I, I want to write what they call um, um, hot topics, not hot topics, but it'll be key words, key phrases that you can, you know, stay, stay motivated upon. You know, it makes me think um, back when we were kids, they used to always say um, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Well, words are very hurtful and words are very powerful, right? If you, the way that you've used the words to create so much power and understanding in everything that you're doing, those words give meaning to every step of the process. Right. So from from you going from high school to college to the pros, from you doing everything that you've done after to helping and giving and doing these things, those words have given value to all of that. And I think that's just a powerful thing in, in itself. Right. Right. And I, and I, and I think um, if if you stay positive you know, you, you you have to stay positive on almost everything that you believe in. Are you going to have some roadblocks? Are you going to hit some potholes? Absolutely you are. But but what I love about living, being an athlete, Nick, and you can probably say, you know, talk about this as well. Most of the things that have happened to us and most of the things that we have experienced have been nothing but positivity. And so that positivity have been the mainstream of us being successful. Yep. So when you when you build your continue to build up your mind and your body and then gain the confidence, you're unstoppable. I, I believe that with my heart. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Going from UTA, getting drafted by the Packers in the 10th round, were you when did you believe that you were gonna go to the NFL or you had the chance to go to the NFL? And then what was that whole the whole draft like that was the considered the best draft that ever happened in the NFL the class of 83. I broke my ankle the 10th game of the season at UTA up at Arkansas State, Jonesboro, Arkansas. So I knew I was gonna get drafted, but I didn't know what round I was gonna get drafted. Back then there was only 28 teams, 48 man rosters, and so uh they were they had 12 rounds. Yeah. back then so when i got drafted uh bark star called bark star was the head coach at green bay he called me i never forget about six o'clock in the afternoon it was a one-day draft and he said congratulations Barry. you're you're a green bay packer i said oh man that's sounds good then on the back side of my i said it got james lawson john jefferson 
the two best pro bowlers wide receivers back then in 83. And I say, man, I, but I was happy. And, and, and then I got a chance, Philip Edwards up there, a good friend of mine. So they had a, a marquee group of wide receivers. So what I did was I went up there and I learned a lot from those guys and that it helped me, it equipped me. And then when, when, um, Coach, Coach Star said, Byron, we got to let you go. I was the last guy, the very last guy they released off that team that year. Because mm. that year, the USFL was in, was in, uh, had started up. I got drafted by the Denver Gold. So I got drafted by two teams in 83, Green Bay Packers and the Denver Gold. And he said, Byron, I want to give you some advice. Don't go to the USFL because a lot of guys, they'll leave and they go to the USFL. He said, I'm going to call around. Because you got the talent, you got the skill set to play in the National Football League. And he gave me confirmation. And then I went from there, and I was working out for all these different teams. And then um, and I, I met, I went to Houston, saw uh, Errol Campbell, and and then I uh, went to Philadelphia. Philadelphia signed me for four weeks, but Parcel said, I still want you. And then um, the last eight games I signed with the, with the Giants, and, I, and, and the last four to five, games I had over 100 yards in each one of those games and that's how my career got started that's and I awesome. scored my first NFL touchdown against Lester Hayes in the LA Coliseum in 1983 and, and then that's how that's how I got started but one of the things that I could say uh, you know when coach Barkstar told me that I had the skill set to play on the next level you know that was confirmation of me you know continue to put the work in that's just <laughs> Once again, overcoming, right? The disappointments, right. the hurdles, the constantly overcoming those situations to talking to different teams and and to be in a position to really try to find your way. Right. That's right. another similarity. I was I was projected fifth round pick to the Packers coming out. Right. They had Donald Driver and all those guys, but um right. didn't happen. But you know, you, you go back to uh, Alonzo Highsmith. Uh, I did a private workout with him. Okay. Uh, when he was with Green Bay as their regional scout. But, you know, just just looking at all those things, man, it's just such an, uh, it's an amazing feat to – because people think you just show up and you make a team. Right. right. There's a guy, Alex Singleton, right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. Alex Singleton was cut seven times, is coming out of college, uh, found out he was a Canadian. Mm-hmm. His mom was born in Canada, lived there for like two months, then moved to the U.S., Never moved back to Canada, never hadn't been back. But that was enough for him to be considered Canadian. So right. he went into the CFL draft, went to Canada for two years, I believe, two or three years, was defensive player of the year one year. Then he got picked up by the Eagles last year, was on the PR most of the year, played at the end of the year. Now he's leading them in tackles this year. Right. Right. It's like we don't know what our opportunities are. <laughs> right. We don't know what the opportunity is. Like, was there was there a moment that you know you said Bart Starr gave you the confirmation? Right. After he said that, did you have any doubt at that moment? Was there anything like you know what? I might be done. I'm tired of calling these teams. I'm tired of going to this workout. I'm trying to do this. Like, I see I'm better than some people that they're still having jobs and everything that goes on in their mind. And you know, players that come up to you, hey man, I think you should have made a team, or I think you know. So you get all this feedback from different people. Was there anything that ever wavered you to the point where you're like, you know what, maybe this isn't for me? 
No, not not once I got to that level and got a chance to see the talent and got a chance to compete. Uh, the, the, the training camp in Green Bay was really hard because they bleed in the up and downs and things. So once I went through my first NFL training camp, I knew that I could play on that level. I just needed to find the right team with, that I could fit into the chemistry and fit into the, you know, um, to the scheme of things. And uh, so I never did have any lack of confidence. And so when I was in high school, my junior year, God told me I was going to play pro football, though, Nick. He told me that I was going to play pro football. It was just a matter of me uh, finding the right team. Now, I, I got a story uh, about 50 plus one. Yep. Uh, my junior year in high school, I got caught drinking, right? Mm -hmm. I got kicked out of football. And so the coach said, Byron, it was five of us, two seniors and three juniors. I was one of the juniors. Out of all five people, I'm the only one told the truth. And he said, I know the other guys were drinking, so I had to run 50 miles. I had to run every mile under eight minute a mile, right? So wow. from that Monday to that Friday, I had ran 25 miles. All under eight minutes? All under eight minutes. I ran five miles a day. The second Monday, on the 28th mile, the coach said, Byron, you didn't make that mile. The coach, I made that mile. He said, you didn't make when I ran that extra mile, that's when God told me I was going to play pro football for 12 years. So the second Friday, I finished the 50th mile. I call it 50 plus one. Two weeks later, the coach came up to me. The same coach that gave me $20 for making the AB on the road. Two weeks later, he came up to me. He said, Byron, you made that mile. I was just going to see if you were going to quit. So I call it 50 plus one, Nick. And that's when I tell every kid, you're going to get tested almost every day in your life. Are you going to pass the test? So just think, God mm. told me when I ran the extra mile that I was going to play pro football. He didn't say NFL. He said pro football for 12 years. And you notice I played NFL, CFL, and the World League yeah. 12 seasons. And so when I went to UT and broke my ankle, the 10 game, I, st I knew I was still going to get drafted. Even though I just caught 26 passes, of the 26, I had 550 yards and eight touchdowns at UTA my senior year. I still got drafted. Yeah. And that's confirmation from God. So I'm just sharing, I want to share that story with you because guess what? You know, I got into the track and turf business. Yep. 2009, Nick, I sold my high school that track. That track hadn't been touched, hadn't been renovated, or nothing since the time I graduated from high school to 2009. I made a $50,000 commitment, a uh, commission on that track. That track paid me $50,000 30 years later. Paid you $1,000 every mile. Every mile. <laughs> and, I, and, and so it came around full circle, Nick. So from, from the time I left high school in 79 to the time I came back in 2000, and came back and sold my track in 2009, it was so much that happened in my life but it's also confirmation of what was told to me when I ran that 50 plus one mile. Yeah. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. So that's why that, this, that's part of this in this book, but I, I always say 50 plus one. I always tell kids, get it's always one. It's always something that you can live your, hang your hat on. And then, then that, then that, that something might be a uh, coach. They're going to share something with you. Uh, uh, a friend that's going to share something with you. Even God giving you this platform that, that you can share so much with you. And people can listen to what you're saying 
and 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 things and the seeds that you plant. The coach, my high school coach planted a seed in me. Coach Bar Starr planted a seed in me. Even my college coach planted a seed in me. I used to go in the locker room when I was in college, Nick, and look at this sign in the locker room. And guess what that sign said? What was it? It said, take what you have with what you are, make something of it, and never be satisfied. Mm. That was a sign. That was a quote from George Washington Carver. And I looked at that every time I go in the locker room. I looked at that. Sign. I never tell, I never told none of my teammates or nothing. I used to always look and I said, that sign said, take what you have with what you are, make something of it, and never be satisfied. And all you have is you. All you have is your is your is your dreams. All you have is your goals. All you have, and you never be satisfied. Just because I played the NFL, I wasn't satisfied. You know what I'm saying? Just because you're, of what we're doing enough. now, we're not satisfied. We still got the what? We got the grandkids, you got the kids, and you got the wife. You got so much to be proud of, but you never satisfied, Nick. You're one it. of the greatest players to ever play up in Canada, and you're still doing what you do. You're never satisfied. You can hang your hat on that if you want to, but no, you you, you got something else bigger. And that's why that's you are what you you're doing what you're doing. That's why you've been so successful in your life. I tell people all the time, I said, I've always wondered what success is. And when people ask me, do I feel successful? And I said, I'll, I'll feel successful when I'm dead because there's always going to be something to do. There's always going to be something to get better at, something to achieve, something to push me forward. Right? Right. So, man, that is so powerful. Uh, that whole story you just told of just hanging your hat on something that Everybody just feels like, especially now, you, so many people just feel like it's supposed to be given to you or I deserve it. I hate the word deserve. Right. Everybody has good days. Everybody has bad days. Right. Some people are good people some days. Some people are bad people some days. But you can't define yourself off of one day. Right. You don't deserve the worst in life because you had one bad day. You don't deserve the best in life because you had a great day. Right. Right. So I hate the word deserve because I mean, you just got to work. Yeah. The work, work and, get. Work. and what you said, like you're enough. And what you just read, you are enough, but you right. have to realize you're enough. You have to be, realize you're equipped with everything you need to be where you want to be. That's where it makes something out of it. Right. Take right. what you have. You're enough. Just take, just understand what you have. You're enough with what you with what you are and what you, with, are. what you are is like you you can be any way anywhere that you want to be. I think of David and the David and Goliath, right? Take what you yeah. are. Right. You don't have to be the beast. You don't have to be the big guy. You don't have to be this. Right. You are enough. Now make something out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And make your mind work. up. That when you yeah. when, when 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 you say the word make, that means work. Work, work at it, yes. and, if, and and then if you committed at working at it, and then you 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 know anything can be accomplished out of that. Yes. Anything. Yes. Yes. And, yes. And, and 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 what I love about never be satisfied. That's a continuation of how you built your life or built upon your life. You know, one one plank at a time, one step at a time, one mile at a time. Those 50 miles was hard. 
I, and I didn't say I didn't ever want to quit. I thought about quitting so many times. Every step. But it was it was the <laughs> end of the story. It was the end of the it was the end of those fifty miles. I know I can see windows open up, doors open up, opportunities open up. That's what I saw. You proved something to yourself. Now in 2017, they called me and they said, Byron, we wanted to put you in the Texas Black Hall of Fame. Where I went in with George Foreman. Eric Dickerson, some more guys. Mm. Just think about that. I'm, That's awesome. So when you go to Dallas, Texas, thank you. When you go to the Dallas Fair Park, and my sister comes, she say, "I didn't know you was over here in the Hall of Fame." So I didn't tell nobody. So, but my point is, that will always be there. That will always be over there in, in, in Fair Park. And my granddaddy lived one mile from that that location. And my granddaddy threw seven different pictures. He he should have been in the old black black uh Negro Hall of Fame. He because he he was a great pitcher. But that 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 made me think that you know I'm I'm linked to my granddaddy as well. He didn't have an opportunity to play because of the racism and the things uh, the opportunity that you know back in the day, yep. back in the 1920s or whatever. And but my point is that's for my granddad as well as for my dad. So 100%. that's what you call legacy. That's what you call something that God's only God could do, you know, for us putting it there, allowing me to accomplish that dream. And that's amazing. Congratulations on all that. That's 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 a but you know what? Everything that you've accomplished is a true testament to who you are as a man, more than any athletic ability, any skill set that you had. Right. Right. That I think that's the importance is is when I talk to all these athletes and we really break down what makes a great athlete, most of the time, nine times out of ten, it has nothing to do with skill. Right. Consistency, willing to work, willing to compete, willing to overcome. Those things have nothing to do with skill set. Right. Because you're always going to face somebody with a skill set different than yours or better than <laughs> yours, and you got to figure out a way. Absolutely. Yeah. It and that and that's part of what I love about athlete being an athlete. You know, you got to be an overcomer. You really do. Yeah, hundred percent. How you feel about your time in the CFL? I loved it because I, I got a chance to meet people that was unique. I got a chance to meet people that didn't judge you. I got a chance to be around coaches that love you. And then. Then it wasn't a whole lot of people on the roster, 37 man rosters. And, you know, you, you got the Canadian guys that play, you got the American guys that play. It was a, it was a whole different game. The game was fast. The game was fun. The game was exciting. Um, you never was out of a game. You know, you played to the last play and uh, the rules up there was unique. You know, you got a chance to, you know, to run and, 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 to, you know, it just, oh, it, it, it just, you know, it, my phone is like crazy. <laughs> it's all good. I understand you're busy, man. You, you got these people that want you and, and everything. Yeah. So we were talking about the CFL and the motions and, and just the people in the league and the 37 man rosters. Was it different coming to Canada? Like, what was the biggest difference, I should say, when you came to Canada after being in, you know, Green Bay, New York, Philadelphia, 
and the NFL teams? It was, I, I think uh, some of the skill sets was really, you know, very high quality players. Um, it's, uh, the, the strategy that you have to come up with in order to win games, 18 game schedule, you know, um, was unique. Um, you know, I, I just love the fast pace. It's very entertaining, uh, you know, and I, it, you meet some good coaches. It's a great concept. You know, I, I just think uh, the, the history behind the game was awesome. And, you know, just getting a chance to play in, in, that, in that league in the CFL was unique. I think it's special. You know, the, all the great athletes, the superstars, the Hall of Famers, you can really just take your head off to all the things that they have accomplished up there in Canada. And um, I'm just, I'm thankful that it gave me the opportunity to play, you know, eight years up there to, you know, just to have some, continue to have some fun. Um, the people was really wonderful. Um, I, I just, you know, my first two years I was in Vancouver and um, then one year I was in Ottawa and Saskatchewan, but, you know, it, it, it really was, um, it was great for me to experience football up there, and I cherish that. And my, you know, my daughter, my oldest daughter, got a chance to start school up there. She, she loved it. Um, you know, it's not as prejudiced as it is in the states, so it's it's a whole different vibe. It's a whole different, you know, uh, way of life. And 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 so, I really uh, glad I got a chance to experience that. When's the last time you've been to Canada? The last time had to be around 94, 94. So I don't know. You know, I talked to Don Narcisse and a couple of people up there. And uh, Vincent, Vincent, uh, Donaldson, I talked to those guys. So I don't, you know, they, 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 both of the, well, Vince played in the NFL too. So sometimes he called me about some pinch and stuff. But uh, it's been a while. I really want to come back. Great Cup in Hamilton next year. It'll be a great time to come back. Well, let's. Uh, I'm set a date. I'm gonna put that in. I'm gonna put that in the uh, month of November to be able to go up there. You know, June Jones was up there. June coached me. Yep, in and, Hamilton. Uh, yeah, he, in June. June, I have a cell number. I talk to him. Keep up with him all the time. But yeah, uh, so I still have some guys and some people up there. Share with, but I'm glad I did get in touch with you and you and I have connected heavily connected on some things. But you know, I I I, I take my hat off to Canada. I love Canada. Yeah, I love it too. I, you know, I always go back and forth. I remember before I got on the plane ride to come here, I was like, what if I really love it and I never go <laughs> home? And it was always the thing. Like as soon as the season's over, about a week later, I was going home. <clears throat> so I was always going back home, going back home, going back home, going back home. So. It was something that I, I have loved. Canada has been truly special uh, to be here. The people are amazing. The people in the U.S. are amazing, too, in their own special way. You know, being in being from small town Texas and living in Fort Worth. And I always enjoy being able to get back. And I look forward to seeing what we can do together in the future, um, in the near future, and everything that we're doing just to wrap this up, just thinking about everything that we've talked about, I feel like this has been so beneficial to a lot of the 
younger generation, even the older generation, but the younger generation, I feel like they would should be able to grasp so much of this conversation to get the most out of their lives, right? I think people focus right. on what they have or what they don't have instead of focusing on where they are and where they want to go. Right. And I think if they read, and it's all about perspective, right? Your perspective changes. Like, like you said earlier, your perspective of pro athletes was this, but then when you got to compete against them and see them on a daily basis, it was, it changed your perspective. Right. Cause now I, I'm just as good as they are before you get there. You look at the pros and be like, man, this dude's awesome. This dude's this. But then when you get there on the same level as them, you're like, I'm on the same level. Right. Right. So the perspective right. changes. And, and I think that's where we are in life through COVID, through everything else that's going on right now. Uh, we see suicide rates going up. We see kids in that are failing miserably and have a system that's set up that's not for them all the time with everything going on with missing school, having online schools. Can you just leave us with some words that can encourage them and help them make it through this to what they're supposed to be and what the future holds for them? Absolutely. First of all, thanks for having me today. Um, you have a great platform. One of the things that I always believed in is I believe in dreams and dreams do come true. You know, if you get around people like Nick and I and we share some of our testimonies and that's what we build our life on is the small wins, you know, going out there every day and having something that you build your, your life around that's positive. And I always have tried to eliminate negativity in people I never forget this. I went back to my hometown and first thing a guy would say, oh, I saw you drop that ball against the Dallas Cowboys. And guess what? I kind of eased away. Just say nothing negative to that person, but just realized that that person wasn't for me. Because yeah. life is more about than dropping one ball. It's more about catching five balls, which I did. So, so you have to, once you get to the point in life where you start having the right people, that pour into you and, and reveal to you your gifts and the things that you have to offer in society, because I believe everybody got some greatness inside of them. 100%. And that's what you build your life on. You build your life on one step at a time, one day at a time, one month at a time. And you, if you continue to see progress during that time, then you're going to be successful. And that's what I like about these platforms and getting ready to, you know, to, to go out and have a game plan. I call it a plan of action. And that's what you have to do. You have to continue to write down your goals, continue to, you know, uh, accomplish those goals and achieve those goals. And next thing you see, next thing you know, you're going to be where you want to be. And you're going to be, and you're going to be able to start a family and build a career. And those are the things that, that's, that's most important. So continue to stay positive, continue to stay active, and, and, and the smallest win and small achievements of what you're doing and the steps that you take, that's what you want to continue to stay focused on. Man, I appreciate you. I appreciate you for coming on. And your words have meant so much. Like, I've learned from this, and I, I know so many people will. And, you know, a wise man once said, you shouldn't have big dreams without expecting big hurdles. Exactly. Right. So your dreams are going to be the, the hurdles are going to be the same size as your dreams. And you're going to have to overcome a lot 
to get to them, but it's worth it. Just like every step you're thinking, man, why am I running these miles? But it was worth it. it you got worth. so much more out of it than the initial, right? You took it as a punishment, but it became a benefit and something that you could really, you understood where you stood. And man, that's, it's, this has been one of the most powerful podcasts I've done that I think that just the words, just thinking about the words and the words you use, the positivity and everything that you set your life on, man. Uh, I tell you what, your your kids, your wife, your your grandkids, and everybody you come in contact with, myself is we're we're all lucky and and very beneficial to be able to have known you and know you. So I thank you. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate you. Same here, man. It's it's always good to be around greatness and you you one of those great people as well and i just appreciate the platform that you have and and nothing but success and uh you, i know you're gonna continue that so it was a pleasure for me to be a part of your podcast thank you and this is another episode of the Lulu logic podcast and we out